All right, Joe, we're a little late today. Had an oh, important right. shit to you talk know, about. Had to get off the phone with uh, various uh, data streams, I guess is the way to put it. There you go. Um, there you go. But yeah, no, like, you know, one of the things I've been kind of coming to grips with over the last few days is we really need to start thinking. I mean, I need to start thinking more about, you know, like when we say, when we're talking with Sean, let's say, you know, we're pretty much talking about Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah. Cause he doesn't well, really he likes, pay... he likes talking about the others, but my mainly well, Bitcoin. You're absolutely yeah, his, right. His expertise, his core strength is Bitcoin. I mean, yep. that's what he gets inside and out and has for over a decade. Yep. You know, what I talk a lot of, well, not the macroeconomic stuff, but pretty I talk a lot that. about, you know, more, um, you know, other chains, layer ones, other things, not Bitcoin. So for right. me, it's like, you know, where I could see like yesterday, you know, or different days, ETH is up, Bitcoin's up, you know, is ETH driving a rally, is Bitcoin driving a rally? We really need to, I need to start segmenting that better in my head because I think that overall, you know, macro to Bitcoin makes sense, you know, macro markets to Bitcoin right. and then to everything else. But there's going to be this stage where all of a sudden it's macro to ETH or macro to Phantom or macro to something that we're not going to be thinking about Bitcoin. Damn right. And so I'm going to start trying to work better on that because I see that Good. there's so many divergent strategies that can be played and just try to figure those out better for the listener. You know what I was thinking about? You should take a look at um, this this protocol on Phantom called Liquid is doing some really cool shit. Um, and Liquid, Liquid. version three just came out. I'll send you a link and put it in the show notes so everybody can see it as well. They're doing some really cool shit with financial NFTs and capturing liquidity. They're partnered with spirit swap and a couple of other protocols in the space blowing up kind of um, the in spirit liquidity token model stuff. Some really cool shit that enhances those kind of curve like models uh, in other chains and other protocols. Um, and I was thinking about it like 20 minutes before the show that you you have the kind of mind that can grasp all of this shit. So I think you should take a look at them. I'll, I'll send you the link. Um, yeah, li liquid driver. So li yeah, liquid driver. Yeah, send liquid me this, this date you want, the link you want me to look at. because I'm going to send it right now in our group. Um, this looks because, really cool. Because uh, this is the document all about their version three that just came out. So I'm sending it to you in Telegram right, right cool. now. Really cool shit. Anyway, um, but I obviously haven't dove into it. Uh, but I agree. I think we should be having that kind of focus. I, I think that makes sense to start thinking about this because these things are going to are going to veer apart uh, eventually, and we need to be looking at, you know, all the nuts and bolts of of what's going to happen with the merge. You know, it's funny the the stream of uh, sentiment uh, around the Ethereum merge has kind of gone from this high up here, woohoo, it's going to be amazing, we're all going to get rich, to this. There's more and more negativity coming out about it. Um, I don't know if it's being driven by you know non-ETH people, um, but um, there's there's a bit more coming out. There's an article I haven't had a chance to read yet. Uh, something like uh, why the Ethereum proof of stake merge is the greatest debacle in history, or something like that. So there's there's a lot of negativity hitting about the ETH merge as well. I I still feel good about it, but. Um, you know, it's just interesting to kind of see this. There's also been more and more people uh, talking about, you know, the risk of these sanctions, like we talked about yesterday, uh, on um, on 
Ethereum at the chain level, at the protocol, at the block, at the block level, and potential for blocking those from a proof of stake perspective. So um, it's interesting because the people who are validators risk getting slashed if they if they violate you know the the way the network's supposed to function. But at the same time, they're locked in for six months and they are susceptible to sanctions if they don't follow what sanctions are supposed to be followed. But uh, Bitcoin's at 23,876. ETH is at 1,866. They've both given back some of their uh, some of their gains. Fear and greed is at 44, so only down one from yesterday. Um, but our um, speaking of the sanctions, my pals yeah. over at Coin Center, who I have repeatedly donated to, and I constantly tell everybody to donate to, they yeah. are doing the work that we need done. Did this awesome analysis, just ripping to shreds in legalese, uh, the, um, the OFAC doing these sanctions. Um, and it, and I did a series of tweets pulling out some clips from it, but everybody should read it because they do a beautiful job of explaining the legality of it, uh, or the illegality of it or the, uh, illegitimacy of it, uh, as it relates to, uh, this particular case. And some of the highlights are, um, that number one, they had no, they are supposed to sanction entities and persons, basically persons under their orders. Um, but there is no entity or person to sanction. They've essentially sanctioned wallet holders that could be persons or entities, but they haven't, they have sanctioned a smart contract and there is no person or entity. It didn't, wouldn't even matter if Tornado Cash was actually a entity. Um, and, and there is no evidence that there is, except that there are people that have, you know, dealt with tokens and taking stuff in and everything, but the, there is no entity that is the smart contract and the smart contract has been deployed and cannot be, um, changed. It cannot be edited. It cannot be controlled. No human, no entity, no company has control over the smart contract. Interestingly enough, also in the treasury department, FinCEN has explicitly said that, um, they are not ever sanctioning software or tools that they only sanction entities. The other interesting thing is the OFAC says explicitly in all of their documentation on their website and their legal documents that they only can sanction entities and persons and then they have a process for removing entities and persons from their list because their, their mission is to alter behavior. It is not meant to punish. And they actually state that in their, in their documentation. That's why they have a process for getting removed from the sanctions list um, because you start to comply as a human or an entity with the behavior that the OFAC wants uh, for foreign entities. So, the, and I'm not even scratching the surface of how much work Coin Center, the guys at Coin Center did uh, on this document because they basically shredded this thing. Then they get into the legal arguments about how now courts are starting to strike down the powers, and we've talked about this before, the powers of regulators to interpret the way they've been interpreting and to then reinterpret to fit a particular case and that that is no longer uh, being uh, upheld in court. So the bottom line on all of this, Coin Center is going hard at this. They're working with multiple blockchain groups to prepare uh, lawsuits potentially against the OFAC and to file administrative uh, claims against it. Because essentially what they're saying is, is that they are preventing Americans from using a piece of software. They are, they are not in fact um, sanctioning an entity 
that the that they are charged with doing, which is to sanction people and entities. And so they're making the case under free speech. They're making the case that they're outside of their regulatory powers. They're making the case that it doesn't fit the definitions of their powers. I mean, it's just they did an awesome job on this. I tweeted it out earlier and I'll put this in the show notes, but this is this is a fantastic shredding of of the of what OAC has done here. So I'm hopeful um, that this will cause a pullback in one way or another. They also represent, you know, yesterday Sean was talking about mixers on Bitcoin, um, and they compare it to Blender, which is one of the big mixers that OFAC also sanctioned. And their release describing the sanctions is almost word for word the same for both of them. But in the case of Blender, there was actually an entity. And in the case of Blender, the tokens actually go into the entity's possession, Blender, the company or Blender, the partnership or whatever it is, go into the possession of the entity and then are sent back out. In the case of Tornado Cash, there is no entity that ever has control of the tokens and they are just taken into the smart contract and mixed together with other tokens of people that are using the smart contract. But there is no entity gaining access to the funds at any time. So they do a great job of comparing why there is a significant difference between the way the Blender sanctions are and how those were legitimate versus the Tornado Cash ones because of all of the things I just talked about and and much more that they talk about. So anyway, I encourage everyone to read it. But what I really encourage you to do is go give money to CoinCenter, coincenter.org. They are doing the work we need them to do. They are fighting for us. They are fighting the legal battle. Um, and they're doing all the hard work and analysis to try to strike back when we are unjustly struck down. So anyway, any thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> trying to say where to go. Um, you know, I'm going to try to try, I'm gonna strike a different, take a different angle here. Um, Shocking. Um, Nothing. No, no. Just, just in a sense that it seems to me that the big problem here with these tumblers and everything is, you know, hacks and you know, laundering hacked coins from different sites. Sure. It seems to me like you could have a blender or a mixer where you know, and hit put it under the KYC type. You know, know your customer stuff that banks have to deal with, and you know, I think you would only have to certify the front end. So the money could still go out the back end. As long as you know the money coming in is clean, then you know the money going out the back end is clean. Right. So isn't there a market or an opportunity for a, you know, a way to somehow KYC them? I mean, this is all going to be like, oh. you know, all for the legitimate purposes that we're talking about here. You know, like the people that are trying to pay themselves through dissidents or whatever, tornado cash or, you know, blender in the U.S., it would seem to me there's some way to accomplish these goals without, you know, having North Koreans run money through it, um, which gets everybody pissed off. I mean, there's got to be a technical solution there that makes sense. Now, if it's just pure, um, you know, privacy, libertarian, et cetera, we all know that the solutions are always somewhere in the middle between nanny state and, you know, if you want to turn your firearm into a bong, you can go ahead and do it. You know, there's some, there's a middle ground in there that um, always emerges. And so I look at a thing like this and I say, this is great because this allows it then to get litigated. And, you know, we'll figure out how this turns out in what, 2032. So 
Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, here, here's the thing. I mean, I, I understand what you're, what you're saying. And I think there is a case to be made for someone to start a service exactly like what you were talking about, which does yeah. the KYC at the front end. But I, I think at the end of the day, the, the, now, if OFAC, if OFAC wants to go out and try to get more power to regulate software, um, mm -hmm. then they're certainly welcome to do that. But at the end of the day, there shouldn't be a requirement. In, and oh, look, Sean says the point is there should not be a requirement. CoinJoin is a base level Bitcoin function. There is simply no middle ground there. Right. So I, I think the point that, that Coin Center is making is this is a piece of software. People can use it however they see fit. Um, if there was a bank or an entity that was taking in these funds sure. and then sending them out, then they would have some obligation. But as far as software goes and the freedom to use software and write software, this is a direct infringement upon it. And, and they also say they're going to make First Amendment arguments anyway. Um, yeah, but you know how that works. I mean, technical argument, I mean, what I would if I was on the regulatory side, I'd be calling that a technical argument and I'd be like. <laughs> It's just you keep saying what you're going to say until you eventually get enough of what you want. But but this, you know, you made a good point here. This does look like, again, uh, uh, bureau bureaucratic territory grab to me. Yeah. A lot. So, yeah. you know, Treasury, again, is always kind of on the sideline of a lot of this. You know, when we talk about SEC and CFTC. They just advise. Yeah. So here they're kind of getting in the game, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there might be a little bit of that here or, or a significant amount of that here, too. Um, yeah, because I everything agree. you're saying and everything these coin centers saying is accurate. Um, yeah. And now they're going to now OFAC has to do the work of, you know, writing the code, basically, um, or doing what needs to be done to, like, resolve the issue. And that's yeah. something that no bureaucrat really wants to do. Right. Um, well, and I'm hard grab, but then when it's time to do the work, it's like mm. I'm I'm heartened by the number of attack vectors that Coin Center is, uh, has has found for this. Uh, yeah. I think it bodes well for uh, a lawsuit and or you know getting OFAC to back down because they make an administrative appeal and say, look, guys, here's where you're wrong, and see what happens. Now, I have to believe that. OFAC went into this understanding where that there were weaknesses. So they may have already prepared arguments against this, but we'll see how it comes out. But at the end of the day, the ultimate thing for me here is, um, is I would love to see this become uh, a case about free speech and code as speech, because I think that's a really critical thing. And I, I don't know, there may be precedents already set related to that. And that's why these people at Coin Center and others make the argument about this. But um, I think a, a, a ruling around that would, is really important to kind of the future of software well, and encryption and everything else. So to that point, it's just like when the fights went on about advertising and whether advertising was first covered by First Amendment freedom right? of speech. Right. And yeah. should it be? I think it doesn't seem like it should to me um, in a way that it can influence people with disinformation. Um that doesn't seem quite right to me. So I think this will be interesting to to this end with code. Is is it is it is it speech? You know, I don't know. But also to the bigger point that you said earlier is you know look we're having to figure out how to regulate these autonomous, anonymous, decentralized organizations, DAOs, etc. This is just another example of how do you regulate a protocol? How do you right. regulate a smart contract? So exactly. this has to be figured out. Yeah, and and so, it's going um, to be it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. You're exactly right because at the end of the day, if 
if how, how do you regulate something that's living on a blockchain that you can't change, right? That's impossible to change. Yeah. Um, and and how I mean, how do they whack them all their way through when you know ten thousand people tomorrow could could fork the tornado cash code and launch their own versions of it? Are they going to constantly track every single one of these and try to sanction every wallet over and over and over again? And they can't stop people from deploying things um, and unless they try to get protocol lever censorship, which is obviously counter to the entire point of a blockchain. So anyway, uh, I, I'm fascinated by this. You know, my, my uh, mother always says I should have been an attorney, probably should have, but um, I, I love the arguments. And I, what I love is, um, Jerry Brito and um, Peter Van Valkenburg do, do a beautiful job of putting all of this into plain English that anyone can understand. So if you want to get educated on this issue and this topic and the arguments that they're making against OFAC's ruling, um, definitely go read this article because it's it's beautifully written and done. So, hey, yeah. do you remember us talking about uh, the new blockchain Canto? A little bit. So Canto uh, is the one that I'm actually really excited about because um, they're launching it fully decentralized. There's no pre-sale. There's no investors. There's no nothing. It's Cosmos based. So cross chain built in. Um, it is EVM compatible. Um, and they have what the, their model for it is a decentralized free public infrastructure model where the DEX uh, is uh, fee free. So they essentially are having a DEX for swapping within the ecosystem at the core of the ecosystem that allows for the swapping capabilities, et cetera. It also has staking built in, a lending protocol built in that has a, because it has a stable coin called Note. Um, and the, it's an over collateralized stable coin with a lending protocol to uh, adjust the price of Note. But um, they're doing it with a focus, the, the stable coin with a focus on um, understanding and realizing, accepting the volatility of it. Um, really cool platform. I did some, I went in and set up a testnet account and gave feedback and, you know, discussed a bunch of things with the, with the guys about it. I uh, was supposed to have one of the guys on the team come on, but they have been heads down um, building out and getting ready for launch, which happened yesterday. So Genesis hit yesterday for the mainnet application. And I got a nice surprise. Uh, I got uh, about $1,500 worth of uh, the Canto token uh, dropped into my wallet for providing feedback and helping out. Also about 9,000 other people did as well. So I was very excited about that. I was like, yeah, free money, man. I'm going to go in and stake this in the, in the protocol and play with it. So I've, I've played with it a little bit um, last night and this morning, but then I had a little bit of a bummer because this guy did the same thing I did and he got 15,000 tokens. Uh, I got 2,900 tokens. Um, and the reason he got more is because he used a, uh, an existing wallet whereas I created a new wallet and part of their scoring criteria was the history of the wallet and whether it had interacted on Ethereum and Polygon quite a bit. Right. So I was a little bummed to get shortchanged, but at the same time, I'm, I'm very excited about this platform. I think there's a shit ton of potential for it. I think a lot of builders are going to see it as a really powerful option to build on because it kind of knocks away some of the problems we have with existing chains with, um, centralization with um, uh, a lot of other factors as long along with 
um, having a DEX uh, that's not rent seeking, that's actually not charging fees to the end users. So, um, and built into the core of it. So they have a bridge, uh, they have staking, they have liquidity providing and lending all built in as well as the governance and nobody controls it. It's been released. It is out there. The DEX can never be upgraded. It is what it is. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. I'm going to get active, more active in it. I'm going to put my uh, 2,900 Canto in probably a split between LPing and staking. And I may even sell it, set up a validator node was looking at the documentation this morning. Uh, I keep going back to that. Remember that guy I told you about from phantom that put in five grand in the early days of phantom and, uh, over five years turned into $10 million. Uh, that's the guy I keep thinking about. So I may do the, may do the validator thing as well. We'll see. So, okay. You said it's, it's on cosmos. Oh no, it's this new layer. So it's a new blockchain that's deployed on, you know, the cosmos between the blockchains. Yeah. Blockchain. Um, that's interesting. And they got it all and it's just running autonomous. Running autonomous with core, you know, it, so other people can launch DEXs on here, right? Mm -hmm. They can launch their own lending protocols. They can launch whatever dApps they want to on the system, EVM compatible dApps. And, and that's fine. And they expect and want people to launch all kinds of things on it. But the really cool thing is, is users can count on the fact that they're not paying fees for existing swapping and lending capabilities, except for interest if you're borrowing, uh, that are core to the system, right? And so then what happens is, to my mind, is now you have developers coming in and saying, oh, shit, okay, so I have this engines that I can build on top of. What else can I create beyond just creating yet another DEX or another LP or another yield farm, right? What, what can I create that makes use of the core engine and leverages that into something interesting? And so that to me is, is really, really powerful and really interesting. It's powerful to me that they have, um, you know, that this thing is out and it's launched and it's there and it is what it is. Um, and they admit fully in their documentation that this is a big experiment right? They've made all kinds of assumptions about how things will function, the stables, the lending, the decks as a core functionality, and it could all fail. But I love the concept. And you know me, I love experimenting with this kind of shit where they kind of push the boundaries of what we're currently doing. Yeah. Did you have to set up a, a Kepler wallet to do that? or No, no, wallet? it's MetaMask. No, oh, MetaMask. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, that's when I heard Cosmos, I'm like, every time I get near Cosmos, I'm like, all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, shoot, another wallet to set up, no. you know? And like, okay. No, no, MetaMask, completely compatible with MetaMask. It's at canto.io. Um, and you can build the bridges built in. So you can like take a little bit of USDC and swap it over and start playing. You know, that was something I noticed the other day when I was messing around in Spirit Swap. Just the amount of how much better these DEXs, I kind of stopped paying attention to the DEXs, like Define, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously six months ago or five months ago, something yeah. like that. And then I come back and look and I'm like, all of these have been cranking away. So this whole new wave when it comes out where you are the bridges, that's what I've been amazed about where you're just going to bridge around, you know, 10 Matic if you want to. And it's, you know, a fraction of a penny to go from like Polygon <laughs> to, to Phantom now. And remember how, what an ordeal that was, you know, to come yeah. out of Polygon to Ethereum and you're like, yeah, it was a nightmare. To bridge exactly. Out. You know, so there's so many more, you know, innovative uh, efficiencies built into the system. So when something like Canto comes out now, I look at that as like a test bed to me where yeah. now we're going to see, okay, what, what friggin' happens when we release this shit in the wild? Exactly. You know, 
how does it play out? And, you know, there'll be some cool stuff we'll learn and there'll be some colossal screw ups and goose eggs and stuff like that. But, but this is what makes it fun. And so, you know, like when we talk about regulation and we talk about macro and we talk about all the institutional stuff, you know, when specific assets or categories start getting absorbed up into, you know, trade fi basically, this shit comes out next stuff like yep. this. And so there's yep. always cool stuff on the edge. So we'll never get boring for us. So no, I that's really the beauty of it, man. Those we, absorption we is a bad thing. Boring. I look at it as a exit liquidity. Yeah. So, and I, and I treat this like, you know, look, I have a wallet with a few grand in it that this is where I play. You know what I mean? I go and play with this shit and, and I, and I, and I'm going to take some of that money and put more of it into Canto and play with it. But I know that I could lose it all, but I also know I could make some money potentially because I'm in early. And I also know that at the end of the day, these experiments push the whole thing forward, right? All of this it, shit that, that we yeah, do. It, yeah. And James is right, Brad. I mean, I didn't even hear about this. And he didn't okay, tell you. So the- I'm going to respond to that right now because if James had listened on July 18th of 2022, I'm pulling up the episode right now. Oh, 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 oh. he says, but on the says, fly. I love this it. airdrop testnet of Canto is info you should be sharing with your loyal fans. Well, oh. evidently somebody wasn't being loyal on July 18th, I guess. Um, <laughs> You're right, James. Yeah. I love it, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just busting your chops. Um, um, so James says, you know, I should have shared this. I did talk about Canto. I had no clue about the airdrop until yesterday uh, when I read their announcement hey. that they had gone live on mainnet. And suddenly I had a bonus. So, you know, just do what I do, guys. Hey. If I talk about it, I'm doing it. Go do it. You might get something. Hey, hey, hey. I got an idea, Brad. I mean, forgive me for seeking ways to monetize this uh, daily activity. But, um, <laughs> you know, what if all the loyal users could, like, you know, pony up a subscription and they got something at, like, 9 o'clock of what we were going to talk about that day on a show? So they oh, would get have two exposures. They get exp- advance of what we're talking about. And, you know, then yeah. you go do what you want at that point. Um, but, you know. Hey, Shizzy, the, uh, the, the decks that they're, the interface to the decks is through Slingshot. You can get it at Slingshot. Sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, 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 that's, that's, uh, no, that's fine. Um, you know, in some way that we're you know because we are trying to get the user the most optimal and timely market information and if we could figure out a way to you know like warn like you get intel on a canto airdrop coming you know that we can share um we could get it out earlier to our listeners before we talk about or do an episode and and like i said if i had known in advance i would have told everybody Uh, you know now in my back of my head i thought well maybe there'll be an airdrop for me testing it um but you know uh, who knows Oh, by the way, Shizzy, you can also just bridge, man. They've got a bridge from Ethereum to Canto uh, built in, integrated into the system. And by the way, the DEX itself has no interface. Uh, the interface, the first interface to it is via Slingshot because the guys developing Canto also build the DEX aggregator Slingshot, or some of them. And anybody can build an interface to it. But um, yeah, I agree, Joe. I think that'd be a cool idea. I think that'd be We a just have cool to figure idea. out how to do it the right way. Well, we got to make sure we have enough good juicy shit that we can uh, we can make it worth it so we'll we'll talk through that but i think we i think we do i think we get enough opportunities here coming our way um speaking of which mm-hmm. if you're not on our discord joe you need to get over there um, i gotta get my ass back in if, discord now if you're not on our discord 
We're starting some discussions over there. Um, oh, you know what? That's a separate group. I'll move that discussion over. Apologies. Get in our Discord. I'm going to start talking about DYAD um, and that uh, NFT-based uh, stablecoin uh, we talked about. So I'll probably get in there and uh, put some uh, concepts and ideas uh, about it uh, in the Discord in the next couple of days. So make sure if you're not yeah. in our Discord, join. Uh, you can find the Discord link at missiondefi.com at the top of the page. Have you looked at um just speaking of that real quick? I'm trying to I've been trying to spend more time in Discord. Um I unfortunately not, have been and it sucks. But not I doing understand. all that well at it. But um remember like the Doki Doki guys out of Tokyo? Yeah. yeah. Well, they've kind of been working this game called Kizuna, K-I-Z-U-N-A. You can search it up or whatever. And I notice a lot of the players there um at Doki are now, you know active in that game so there's earning opportunities there there's nfts and there's all i haven't spent much time there at all just other than the beginning but they do there's lots of other nft projects coming through that platform so if yeah. you like art it's cool i think that there's you know i mean next up cycle nfts will rebound so you know you i don't see any reason not to be picking stuff up at this point if it's dirt dirt cheap but i would invite everybody to t the users to look at that one too because i've been trying yeah. to dig in and if someone wants to go on point with that for us and go dig into k-i-z-u-n-a that would be greatly appreciated and we could start farming out some yeah we'll have them come on the show and talk about it yeah yeah exactly you know i mean look I, I love when we do things like have listeners like sean and other people on with their expertise yeah. because it, it makes the show itself kind of community-based, which I think is cool. Now, Sean said Telegram, please. I, like I would Telegram much too. rather use Telegram and me too. any day of the week, Sean. I, I think that uh, Zero G might kill me, though, because he spent so much time and effort setting up Discord. So we'll have to chat with him about that. But he is on Telegram, too. But he did put a lot of time and effort into setting up uh, the Mission Defy Discord, which we have allowed to languish. So um, we love yeah, you, Zero I'm wondering G. how... Are the, I mean, I'm just no expert at this. I use a ton of Telegram, obviously, but Signal and you know, I've used Wicker, all those things. But is there a way to somehow inter, uh, intertwine Telegram and Discord? I've looked for that in the past where the messages are back and forth between both of them. And I haven't found a bot that does that uh, effectively yet, but I bet somebody has tried to solve that problem. We should look around because that'd be cool. And then people could choose whatever one they wanted. Yeah, or it's just some way we're, you know, running through all these channels of different platforms. I mean, that's where it just starts taking a lot of time. Yeah. And if you could somehow respond in a unified way across all, you know, across all of them and mirrored somehow or the relevant components of each platform's distribution methodology, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, because then you could pick the format you like the best. And I like Telegram. Um but I could see how Discord has so many things in there that you can do, um, just like Slack does, let's say. But, yeah. you know, how many people are using Slack these days? I remember using Slack all the time um, in all the, 2018. All of, you know, all of Silicon Valley is using Slack. They're, the Web2 guys are all in Slack still. Okay. They're, they're, they, they, and there are a few projects I've run into here and there using Slack. But, frankly, I don't know why anyone would use Slack. Number one, it's yeah. limiting. You have to pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know. And, and frankly, I, I'm still perplexed by using the, the high use of Discord. Um, but I'm actually perplexed by kind of the, the youngest generation in tech and their embrace of 
of horrible interfaces anyway. So, you know, I, I think there's a whole different model of UI that's coming. Um, and rather than fighting against it, I need to understand it better. Um, yeah. But it seems to be, hey, if you can make it unusable as possible and as difficult as possible for our parents to figure out, that's the one we're going to use. I, I think that's the the root model, but um, I can't. I can't figure well, it out. I mean, well, Snapchat was a train wreck of an interface, just a train wreck. But the compelling thing about it was, is your shit disappeared 24 hours later. So nobody knew what you said, but, um, that, except for that all those sexting guys in version one. Yeah, exactly. That's that. like, that's like the worst fucking interface that it was ever designed for a mobile app. And you know, it's engaged with and used daily. So what well, do I know? About I, I mean, anymore? correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, the way I look at it is, the Discord guys and all of that, that started as pretty much a gaming channel, right? Yeah, so, it was. It was a gaming so channel. So the yeah. Roblox people were in there. The Second Life people were in there. Kind of like the early precursors to, say, crypto tokenization, et cetera, in the way that we focus more. Not, not Bitcoin, obviously, but well, all the other was- stuff. Yeah, but it was all about, look, it was all about when you were playing a game that didn't have built-in voice chat. It started as the voice chat. There were open source solutions prior and they, somebody said, oh shit, why don't we commercialize this and make it easy for people to get connected for voice and text chat while they're playing games. And that's how it really started. So that whole market of youth, you know, Gen Z, I guess, um, you know, that's now in the twenties grew up on discord, I guess. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. So they also grew up on snap and they also grew up on Insta. And so they grew yeah. up on those kind of like UIs that we don't always feel comfortable with, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you're right. We have to figure that out because that's where the market is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not going to force them. I mean, look, my kids, I force them to use Telegram. I don't allow them to message me in any other way but Telegram because that's where yeah. I live most of the time. But they yeah. are both, you know, they're Discord users. That's that's what they prefer. And they hate Telegram versus Discord. So uh, something that bridged that over would be awesome, Joe. That'd be awesome. Hey, new tool, because I'm going to have to wrap up here pretty quickly. Um, okay. I got a guy... We, our water heater went out and he's in here replacing it needs to shut off all the power in the house. So this is my little test wallet, but Nansen bought ape board and they've in like, I mean, this is like record fucking integration time in like a month and a half they've integrated it. And this is distinctly a competitor to uh bank Zapier and all of them. Uh, I don't think right now it's just data. I think later it's going to be, um, um, uh, actions that you can take like Zapier or, or the um, Zapper or the others, but it's a really nice interface. And the smart thing for them is now they start collecting even more data about the habits of users for the reporting that they charge a lot of money for, right? So offer this platform, I guess for free, I just logged into it just before the show started, uh, create this platform that's for free, acquire it, use it, offer it to everybody to use it. They start putting in their web addresses. You can see habits, how many wallets they have, et cetera. It all feeds into Nansen's data of the data that people use to make investment decisions and pay the big bucks to them for. So brilliant move. And it looks like so far a pretty good t- a tool. I haven't played with it enough to, to know. Um, but interestingly enough, when I first logged in, it showed the actual accurate balance of about twenty six, twenty seven hundred dollars. So I'm wondering if they have some bugs because now it's not, uh, Oops. it's not showing the actual balance. Yeah, or, they're making money up. Now it's thirty one dollars. While we're while live, Brad is exploited. <laughs> it's like, it's and like snow dog baby. while we're sitting here. <laughs> <laughs>
I love it, man. Brad gets hacked live on the show. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Um, but it looks like you can load up a bunch of different pro. Look at this. It's all running out. I have no money left. Now it's still there. So there's there's a glitch. But I love everything that Nansen does. I did a great interview with the uh, founder, Alex CEO. He's a brilliant dude. He's on an acquisition roll-up um, of data companies, which is really smart. Um, and this platform looks really nice. So I'm going to keep playing with it um, and, and we'll see how it goes. So, Yeah, all of these tools are fabulous. I mean, I guess what's interesting too is they kind of can see like, you know, they can basically like stratify all of the, say, Ethereum wallets out there and yeah. they can see what activities, kind of like, you know, a trending list or whatever on, you know, something. What What is everybody buying right now? Yeah. You know, and this percentage of the top 100 largest ETH wallets are buying this coin right now. Right. Uh, and then put that actionable alert out to their subscribers. Um, that's pretty friggin' powerful. Yep. Definitely. And you could probably come in and search the wallets too yourself. Like, oh, yeah. Well, that's how many what wallets Nansen, are doing this in this token. That's what, right? that's what the yep. main Nansen platform is all about. Like, hmm. what wallets are investing where, why, how. They have all these analysis tools. It's a really powerful platform. Um, it's a bit pricey, but it's a really powerful on-chain data platform. Really, yeah, it's cool. really amazing. Now, there are a lot of people that the only way they trade is following the best VCs and traders mm -hmm. in DeFi on Nansen. And that's all they do is they watch their wallets and see what they're doing. And then Nansen provides reports that say, you know, these are the NFTs that are seeing a, a, a rise in floor price or a rise in activity. These are the NFTs that are dumping. These are the tokens that are certainly seeing some interest or these mm -hmm. are new tokens that have been released. And these groups of high profile wallets have been buying it, you know, that kind of thing. Well, then if you're one of those high profile wallets, then I would say, I want to know every wallet here that buys something within five seconds of me buying it. Yeah, exactly. And then you start messaging those wallets, NFTs, trying to like, hey, man, you're copying me already. Why don't I just bank your money in my fund? Right. You know, right. and save yourself the hassle of worrying about this shit. Yeah, that's a good idea. I love that. You know, so you this still is, need wallet messaging, but yeah, absolutely. But something like that where you could just drop an NFT in there with a, like a note card, like a thank you note. Yeah. Thank you for copying my strategy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Click this link here. <laughs> you and I both loved this headline. The crypto geniuses who yeah. vaporized a trillion dollars. Everyone trusted the two guys at Three Arrows Capital. They knew what they were doing, right? This is fucking gorgeous. You read, did you read through this? Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting because um, aside for some peculiarities, you know, a couple of Andover boys go to Columbia and, you know, uh, the guy... Uh, well, the non-gringo guy is known as like Mr. Perfect Grades in high school and he's just a real go-getter type. But they basically started up a little fun and started trading and, you know, got more people involved, made some good bets, arbing ETFs at the beginning. So not even wow. crypto. Got into right. crypto, I think, in the 2018, somewhere around there. Um, started getting some money in. Um, eventually, they got it, you know, in these fast-paced worlds where, you know, they people just promise money over the phone orally and there's usually not always documents flying around <laughs> it's very much an iou and they just got in that inner circle yeah. um and then where it starts really coming off the rails was they were betting big the big bet they talk about is the gbtc bet um uh where they were in trying to go for the etf um spot etf 
which would then bump the port, the value of their um, the gray lock or whatever it was called. I right. can't remember the gray stone gray lock. And um, that went wrong. So they went down and they actually got into the Terra kind of late in the game with a couple hundred million. Um, and it was their desperate Hail Mary pass. And so that's what just wiped them out. Right. Um, but all kinds of great stories about, you know, kids getting rich and buying yachts and, we're going to rule the world and our strategy is it's a super cycle, which means, you know, I guess it never comes down. And then yeah, yeah. they lose $45 billion. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, when we reanalyze our strategy, it looks like we were off on one key point. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a super cycle. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a great article. Um, it's long, but you can just get a whole bunch of good contacts and analytics, um, how they met history, personalities, and, you know, and what they did to their friends at the end, you yeah. know, borrowing money from all their friends, the last chance and then tanking on them. And they've all disappeared. There's some organized um, illusions in here, some organized money Ooh. they had to pay back. It's you know, typical, you know, you taking money at that level. Yeah. You know, desperation money. Yeah. It gets, Leg you know, broken head yeah. blown off money. Yeah. Like, Sleep you know, family fish. at risk money. You don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, Damn. So it just turned into a Madoff type situation where, you know, they started having to break the rules to try to stabilize. Everything was commingled. There's a whole mess there and um, no paper contract. Yeah. And now I can't tell. This is on intelligence area. They reporting on the article from New York Mag. Here's no, that might. Piece. I think that is new. A New York ah, Mag intelligence itself. is part of it. I get yeah. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, that's. Um, uh, so they come out with good, it's like a vanity, well, I'm not going to put it at that level, but you know, they write in-depth stuff. Yep. That's right. And you know, it's funny. Sean says, uh, Sean, a lesson in leverage, feel sorry for the kids. They were saying, the other funds are saying at the end that they had like the whole, they weren't short anywhere on anything. The whole thing was leveraged. And some people said three times and others think many, many orders of magnitude oh, higher. Shit. Shit. So they just kept, there was no two key guys, I guess, minority partners in Hong Kong that was the risk management team quit at one point. And then it was left to Davies, who was much more of kind of an aloof type of management style. Right. Um, and so evidently the whole risk management compliance stuff um, without those two key people there um, wasn't at the top of the uh, to-do list, evidently. Oof. Oof. So, you know, the wheels come Crazy. off, but yeah, I'll, but put a, a, I'll put a link in the show notes. Great. It's a, you know, it's a, if you like, like Wolf of Wall Street, Liars Poker, I don't remember if it was Liars Poker from the 80s crash, but another great like Wall Streety hijinks story. This is something to read. Cool. Very cool. Uh, USDT, uh, I'm going to drop here soon, but USDT market cap up by $2 billion following the tornado cash debacle because everybody got freaked out about USDC having a backdoor. Little do they know that USDT has the exact same fucking backdoor. <laughs> yeah, <block> I wallets. mean... <laughs> but it cracks me up. Oh, I, I better I get see... out of USDC. I'm going to go over to USDT. Yeah, exactly. You know, the original... <laughs> the original... Geniuses. The original what the WTF coin <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's like yeah. what the fuck. Have you not paid any attention? Is yeah. there literally two billion dollars worth of that dumb money? I mean, seriously. 
It, I now, the other factor here is it may be people moving off of DeFi into C, uh, CeFi. So they may be moving to centralized exchanges where USDT dominates, but that's still a big fucking flow out of USDC. Well, there's like, a, like you said, there is that movement now to see DeFi or whatever, centralized DeFi. Yeah. I saw some press on that recently. So maybe, you know, we got some stuff moving that way. But look, I don't, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, where's all the, I mean, I get it. You hack a protocol, you steal the money. You move it through Tornado Cash. Yeah, that's money laundering. Sure. Um, maybe somehow you're getting organized criminal money in here um, of different types. Somehow it gets into crypto. But to me, the problem is, how are they going cash to crypto? That's right. That's, they got to get it in. The problem area. They got to get once, it in. The only yeah, ones once, that can't don't have to are the hackers. Right. Yeah. The, so the North maybe, Korean hackers have to, but anybody else, they got to get the cash in somehow. And everybody's trying to get cash in banks. They're not trying to, right. they're trying to get crypto into dollars in a bank account, you know, <laughs> exactly. or an asset or something. They're not going the other way. And so, so when I see all this money flowing around to USDT, I'm like, what? I mean, I guess there probably are some big fortunes that have been piled up that people have been hiding, but, you know, Now's the time to come clean with that shit and yep. go do your deal and, you know, pay your taxes or whatever and be done with it and not be worried about shit. Cause you don't want to be lumped in with the North Koreans. Oh, wallet. Yeah. You know, your 37th wallet was got one dirty token from uh, a tornado cash wallet and bang, here you are. Yeah. Um, it seems to me I would be thinking how to clean that shit up about now. Yeah, definitely. One last but, thing. Alphabet, a la Google, is the world's top blockchain-friendly investor, has pumped $1.5 into the sector. Has pumped or getting ready to pump? Has okay. pumped. Okay. Oh, it says pumping. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Sorry. I shouldn't say has pumped. Because that would No, be they invested for... $1.56 in blockchain companies between yeah. September 2021 and June 2022. That's fucking... But well, look at below that. BlackRock yeah. invested 1.17, Morgan Stanley 1.1, 1. 1. Goldman Sachs. Samsung. Looked like they did 100 million. 698, the, Goldman, BNY, Mellon 690, PayPal 650, Microsoft you know 77. What, what Goldman does is, you know, they have an internal IT division um, or technology division that is a giant budget of theirs component and they built all their own bespoke stuff. So when I see where they're invested, Certic, Coinmetrics, Elwood, Block Damon and Anchorage Digital. I don't know who that is. That's but the big bank, uh, crypto bank. It's the big custodial. Um, oh, custodial. They're, they're, they're a pretty significant. Okay. So bank. you could see what their strategy is there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Certic is, you know, as we know, the Block Damon one. infrastructure, Certic is analysis. I think, yeah. uh, AML, KYC yeah. stuff, I think. And they Coin do, yeah, they, data. And they're like an auditor type functionality too. I so think Elwood is a chain. Elwood, I don't know. There's layer zero done by PayPal, Anchorage. Microsoft is in consensus. Uh, but, you know, look, all these companies have internal, you know, technology development groups and internal uh, CVCs, corporate VCs. They go yeah. out looking for tech. They yeah. tend to also do the bigger deals. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
And so, you know, you look at what Goldman's probably pulling tech out of those other deals too, the best for its own custom stuff. I would suspect yeah. everybody else is doing it. I mean, look at Samsung. I mean, yeah. what are they going for? All the mobile payment stuff, basically. Exactly. Um, and all of it, accessing all of the future of crypto world in your device. But, A lot of know, metaverse Samsung, shit in there. What? Metaverse and gaming too. Yeah. Yeah. But they're probably forgetting that there's not going to be a handset in <laughs> 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 three years. So, but anyhow, man, I know you've got to go, buddy, right? Because they need to shut off the electricity in my house to hook up the yeah. new water heater. So, uh, All right, man. Hey, everybody, thank you so much. Sean, Shizzy, James, thank you for listening and watching. James, thank you for being a loyal listener. I was just busting your chops earlier, but really glad you're here. Really glad all of you are here. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Subscribe and click the little bell on YouTube so you get the latest notifications. Feedback, guest ideas, anything is welcome at uh, B05 Telegram, B05 Telegram, B05 Crypto at Telegram and Twitter, B05 Crypto. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Joe, have a great day. Love all of you guys. Appreciate it. Um, thanks. You too, buddy. Thanks, everyone.